Hi, I'm Gia. And I'm Layla, and we're the hosts of the podcast, She Fucking Did That. And you're listening to Mentors on the Mic. My biggest advice is, at the time, that rejection feels like shit, but you just have to tell yourself, I'm going to realize why this was redirection later. Like, it's going to happen. You're going to have that moment of like, you're a Google fucking map and you're just getting rerouted. It's protecting you from, you don't know what it is yet, but trust me, it's protecting you. I think about all the like times I've been dumped or haven't gotten something or whatever. I look back, I'm like, oh, totally meant to be. Welcome to Mentors on the Mic. I'm your host, Michelle Miller, a New York City native actress with credits in film, television, off-Broadway, and commercials. Every Monday, I'll bring you an incredible mentor in the entertainment industry, focusing on how they started and how they moved up to where they are today. Thanks for listening, and let the episode begin. I am so excited to introduce you to our mentor this week, Serena fucking Kerrigan. Yes, I said fucking. The fucking is actually part of her name. Serena created a persona of SFK during her freshman year at Duke University as a way to feel more confident and in charge. She would introduce herself to everyone as Serena fucking Kerrigan, even putting the name and logo with a crown on her resume when applying to jobs. What started as a separate persona turned into a full-fledged brand, the Queen of Confidence, which she describes as a, quote, symbol for all women that stands for authenticity, sexual freedom, and loving oneself unapologetically. In March, she capitalized on the opportunity to create, produce, and host Let's Fucking Date, the first reality show on Instagram Live. Each week, Serena went on a completely blind first date while thousands of her friends and fans watched and commented. Her live after show was often joined by fans and special guests, including Ariana Maddox from Vanderpump Rules and Danielle Bernstein from We Were What, which is how I found her. The show has grown tremendously in popularity and has been picked up by the Today Show, CNBC, and more. This woman is so young and yet so on top of her business. During a crazy time like this, she has created so much content for her fans. With 70,000 followers on Instagram and 150,000 followers on TikTok and still growing, she has built a brand of empowering men and women of all ages to love themselves truly. In this episode, we discuss her rise to fame from her first gig as a voiceover actress in Go Diego Go to creating a massive amounts of content at Refinery29 to season one of Let's Fucking Date, and this girl is in her 20s. Serena is a force to be reckoned with. Season two of her show is starting this Wednesday, September 9th on her Instagram, and she is changing the game. She's not waiting for someone to give her a role. She is creating that role for herself. Welcome, Serena fucking Kerrigan. Welcome, Serena. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. This has been really, really exciting and different. And I think this is going to be such a different type of interview than what we've done so far. So I always like to start this out with Serena. How did you first get into this industry of ours? Oh, man. (laughs) I think really it's 
it was my parents. I mean, my parents are both in the industry and um, my parents got divorced when I was two years old and remained really close friends. They live a block away from each other to this day. And so I would go back and forth at like Monday, my mom's Tuesday, my dad's like literally back and forth to both of their apartments. I had two of everything, which was like peak only child, divorce, child, (laughs) you know, syndrome. Uh, But at my dad's, I remember he, he's an independent filmmaker. Now he's a showrunner, writer, director for television, and he didn't have cable. So on my, at my dad's, we would only watch scripted films, um, wow. really great films. We would watch like Hitchcock. And then we'd also watch like white chicks and wedding crashers, but whatever. <laughs> and then I love how those are the two movies that we also watched. Yeah, those are the ones that came up. <laughs> like those are the ones that came up. Of course, like it was such a weird movie to watch my dad, but literally like we had so much fun. And then my mom's like, she's a reality TV executive. So we would watch cable reality television. And so I grew up really, you know, within this world of telling stories through visual media. Yeah. And, you know, I really wanted to be an actress like so badly. Actually, I think let's take that back. I really wanted to be famous. Like I remember yeah. when I was like four years old. I think I might've seen Hillary. Maybe that was a little young, but when I was very, very young, I saw, I was obsessed with Lizzie McGuire because it was actually, and this is why representation is so important because seeing someone my age who was like the lead and who wasn't like a stick thin, which right. is cool that you're starting to think about it at that age, it yeah. wasn't years old. It's probably like a little older in like middle school. But I remember it was so like, I felt really reaffirmed that like Hillary Duff wasn't like, she was like chubby and yeah. cute and like, yeah. You know, and that, and she was awkward. And, and like, she was awkward. I loved that about her. Right. And like, but it just something about that. I was like, I want to be famous. And I remember my dad was like, okay, that's not a career. That's not a career. Like, <laughs> very like, that's not a career. And I was like, okay. And like, you know, I just knew, like, I yeah. knew that it was in, like, it's just my truth. Like, I, I was just born to like perform and make people happy. And, and I really wanted to be an actress. And my parents were very, very much like, you know, if this is something you really want to do, it's not just like, let's go to an audition. Like, it's a craft that you really yeah. have to learn. So they were like, are you ready to, you know, make the commitment? So I was like, of course. And every Saturday for like a couple of years, I would fully go to, acting class like well, all what that. acting class did you go to because we're I both native to, new yorkers so i'm just right curious. i went to hb studios it's by bank street in the west village well, and I, I did improv and which isn't surprising because i've taken improv recently and like it's and everything i do with my live show is improv it is yeah so you know i i really wanted to be an actress and then you know when it came down to like auditioning like my parents were like, you have to really double down like it's not just gonna be like one day like, you know an improv class for two hours it's gonna be like Saturday, Sunday, like you were in class. How old were you during this time? I mean, I think I was like probably like nine or 10. Like I, and I was like, ugh, like I got over it because I was a kid. Yeah. But like they did let me audition for a role on Go Diego Go, which was a spinoff of Jordan the Explorer. Explorer, and I auditioned for the role of Alicia and it was voiceover work. So they felt more comfortable about that. And how did you feel about that? Did you were you like that's kind of the same thing? I don't care. Like oh my God, just I was the voice, just I was so stoked. I was a fucking voice of a cartoon character. I but I went into it. I remember it so well. I was in my mom's room. I think I was like ten or eleven. And the way to audition then there was no Zoom, so I left a voicemail. And in the middle of the voicemail, wow. and I was like reading off of a script. In the middle of the voicemail, it like cut off. 
like it clicked off and right. I was like, <gasps> and then I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it again. But I really went into that call very much how I go about a lot where it's like, if it's meant to be, it'll be. And if it doesn't, then like, it wasn't for me. That wow. was really my attitude. And then they were like, will you come in for an audition? And I was like, oh shit. Okay. So I went in and I remember the other girl that was auditioning other than me was her name was Alicia, which was the name of the character. So I was like, oh, like whatever. Like it was just like funny. Yeah. And then, and then I got it. And I think a big reason that I got it too is because I'm fluent in Spanish. Not that I was like turning out big lines. Actually, Diego got most of the bilingual lines, which is funny because he wasn't um, <laughs> Hispanic, but like didn't speak Spanish. Well, like, kind of. But it was really a great, again, like a moment that I felt very proud about my Latinx heritage. And that that was like, you know, such a privilege that I was able to speak a language. And I did it for about a year, I think. And then I got let go. Me, Dora, and Diego got let go because our voice got too deep because we all hit puberty. Yeah. Let's have that happen a lot, actually. Yeah. It was great because it taught me how to work at a really young age. You know, I was like 11 years old, like had to, had to go after school, full day of school. I had to go to the studio. I remember that's when I started drinking like these gigantic Dunkin' Donuts iced coffees. But I remember like my babysitter had... like you have a job. Like it's different. It's oh, like, I, had a job. I was an off-Broadway show when I was 11 and I felt the same way, but it must be different to like go to a studio. Like I was, oh, yeah. you know, and like my babysitter would be there because legally they needed legally. You have to, yeah. Parents couldn't go. So she would be out in the, like literally in the waiting room and I would be there like, and you know, it was like, and there was times I remember I was like, Oh, like just like depleted of energy because when you're a voice actor, so you, and for a cartoon, yes. director, you're like really giving it, but it really taught me like, a job is a job. You have to be polite. If you commit, you commit. And like those kind of values instilled in me in such a young age, simply because I wanted to do it. Not because yeah. I guess it's just like, I'm the same person I was when I was 11. Like when I want to do something, like I'm going to do it and I'm going to give it 110%. Yeah. So a uh, quick question. So when I read your article that's on your website about like for refinery about this experience, and right. I thought it was really great, specifically because I'd recently interviewed the vice president of Cartoon Network. And she was, ta- we were talking about diversity a lot. Um, and there was a recent article that came out that obviously, you know, I think TV and film were trying to get more diverse, but obviously have a long way to go. But actually kids cartoons are like by far, like as animated shows by mm-hmm. far, way more diverse than your average show. I think they're like 54%. LGBTQ friendly, you know, more diverse, more minorities represented. Have you ever thought of creating your own children's show? Oh my God. That's so funny. You say that. Um, cause I had a meeting in Nickelodeon before all of this, when I was like thinking of quitting my job. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that, you know, the way that I talk about confidence and the things that I've learned that I realized yeah. have been ingrained in me as a young kid, definitely. Is it on the top of my mind? No, now? not right now. Along with like a book, a, bo- a podcast, like it's yeah. just like out of control, the amount of projects that are like requested of me, which is amazing because I think the brand is really so strong. Absolutely. But I think that's an amazing point. And I really have to say, like, I was so fucking proud to be Latina and like correct the like sound engineer when I was like, so what way do you want me to say this? And he was like, what do you mean? You know? So, and that's also why it's so important when you do cast, you know, for a a Latinx role or for any role of a a person of color or LGBTQ, any minority role that that person, the actor playing them should voice that. Character. You know, it's funny you say that because I, uh, this happens a lot, right? As an actor, I get auditions sometimes for projects that I may look, but I'm not. So I'm not Hispanic. I'm not Latin. Right. And I'll get, like, I remember I got an audition for Vita 
for like one of the the leads. I don't feel comfortable with this guy. It's like, and I was like third generation Mexican American. I was like, I get why my representation would send it to me. And I was like, I have to figure out the, and this was like, obviously like three years ago. So right when I think this conversation was really starting to be had, but I was like, I don't know, this is, this doesn't feel okay. And I'm so glad I didn't do it, obviously. And it was one of the first big things I turned down in terms of audition and get the role. I I think that's important. So I'm glad you brought it up. On that note, you know, when I was watching Narcos, like the guy who plays Pablo Escobar is not Colombian. He's Brazilian. And any Latinx person would know that based off the way Spanish. And that's very frustrating for someone like me and my mom and people, I'm sure Colombians to be like, this guy isn't like, it's it's like the same way, like if I was like acting as Puerto Rican when I'm really Argentinian. So I think that diversity and commitment to, you know, real representation is super important. Yeah. You know, it was a great chapter of my life. Like it was the best fun fact ever to this day, I think. But I really had a taste of what acting was like in a way that was safe in terms of not becoming a child star. And I think that that was something my parents were very adamant about. And I ended up going to Fieldston, which is a private school in yep. the Bronx. Did you I, like it? I, I loved it. It was exactly what I needed. But the most important thing was that it had a film program. And I took a filmmaking class when I was a freshman. And I made my first short film. It was called Freshman. It was about the relationship between a freshman girl and a guy in the junior class and how he like fucks her over, which is totally autobiographical. <laughs> and it was... Did I you start it? No, no, no. I didn't. I, you just, I was, you created it. Writer, director, producer. Nice. I saw the whole thing. I edited the whole thing. Wow. One best film in our festival. And the festival was like pretty legit because a lot of the alumni parents like were like filmmakers oh, or in the industry because right, they would right. judge and they would vote. And it was like, I'd never won anything in my life. I'm not athletic. I'm not like, I was just not like, and it was this crazy feeling. I have the trophy in my room to this yeah. day. It's just like, I was like, to, to be able to truly create something like from conception to completion and to yeah. tell a story about a woman and her vulnerability is just like, it was everything to me. It was like, this is me. Like, this is what I'm meant to do in my life. And it, I'm really doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of switched gears because my dad was very much, you know, he's a filmmaker. He knows how difficult it is for an actress. Like, yeah. My parent, my, he was very much like, you do not want to pursue a career where you're waiting to be chosen. Yes. You want to be act, write something that you act in, but you should become a producer or a director over being an actress. So I really like took that and I, such a good was like my idol. Like I, my whole application to Duke was about filmmaking. I made many more short films. I made, I was making a documentary about undocumented immigrants. Like I was like fully like, I am like, this is my path. And in some ways, it is still. Yeah. I'm just not doing as much narrative, but actually, I'm starting to get back into that when I do branded content and I'm starting to yeah. put myself in things. Really, truly, like, like, it was just, it all makes sense, you know, the whole trajectory of it all. But I think that I really appreciate my parents because they were very much like, you want to be in control. And then later, like, after I graduated Duke, you know, I have a big personality and like, when I was at Refinery29 as a video producer, I was constantly told, like, you need to apply for The Bachelor. Like, you're perfect for The Bachelor. Like, you would be amazing, blah, blah, And my mom was like, absolutely not. Like, you have no control over your image and how you're portrayed. And like, it's too, it's too much of a risk to be under that umbrella of that, you know, show and not knowing. I guess I kind of figured out the way to like, do a little acting, do reality television, be the producer, director, showrunner, and star of my own show. So freaking cool. So 
Let's go back. So I think during Duke, you did some really cool internships and you didn't do like one or two. You did like a few really awesome internships. Can you tell me a little bit about those two? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's funny that you say that because it's like internships are total bullshit. They're like all grunt work. I mean, like, all, like not, it's just like, you know, I interned at the Weinstein company, which is yeah. so ironic, but it was, it's exactly what you would think. It was like, they didn't speak to us. We didn't exist. They yeah. stuck us in a corner, like, they would give me like scripts to cover that they already had passed on. It was busy work. It was truly honestly, yeah. it was like, Oh, like we're friends with this person in the industry. Let's just give their kid an internship because yeah. yeah. And so what I did was because I knew that it wasn't like, I didn't enjoy it. And like, it wasn't really like, I wasn't learning anything. I split my time that summer, freshman year. Um, I split it between that and MTV where MTV was on a lot more like it was MTV to a lot more production, hands-on PA job. Again, like grunt work bullshit. Yeah. But, like at least I was in a studio and I was like seeing how, you know, everything went down. But I also grew up in a studio, grown up in a television yeah. set, a film set. Like my parents would bring me everywhere because they couldn't afford sometimes to have a nanny. So yeah. I've always been kind of very immersed. Like I was going to TRL, like when I was literally like seven years old and Carson, my mom would like hide because like Carson Daly can't see you. Like you're tw- like, you're a little child. Like you, yeah. this is a show for teens or young adults. So I always kind of grew up in that world, but I will say like as much bullshit it was, it was like, it doesn't really matter because those names, like having Weinstein company and MTV on a resume, like yeah. it, was great when I went to refinery because yeah. you know, like, even though I didn't think the work was that like incredible, it gave me something to talk about. Yeah. And it was important to be in, in the industry. It's yeah. important to work. Yeah. But that's to say also, I have the privilege that I didn't have yeah. to work. Yeah. All of that's true. All that's right? true. Like, yeah. you know, I had so much set experience. I remember, I remember being on set on one show and I was like, I need to host this show. Like, they need me. Like, I, that, that was the mentality I had when I was like literally in 11th, sorry, when I was like a sophomore in college. Like, yeah. it's always been like, just the thing. I was just like, interesting, but it was great learning. And, and I also was on a show that was very much improv. Like it was Charlemagne's show and it was great. And he's fantastic. And Jesus and Nero were also on that show and they're super smart and, yeah. and so like, it was great for me to like, I just remember, be I don't around. know, it's great to be around that culture. It's so, it, it, it was less, I think important for me but I think anyone who wasn't, who didn't grow up in this industry, oh my God, like they would die if they yes. were all set on the MTV show. Yes. For me, I was a little like, yeah, I've been around. Yeah. Building. This, isn't, this isn't as new to me. Also, it's everyone like, there I had known because my yeah. mom's been there forever. So right. I, but it was like family, you know? Yeah. So when did the confidence persona, when did SFK start? I, you know, I got to Duke and I just remember like that first week, like I just, I read, I had some friends going into it that I'd known from the city. And like, I remember just like my two best friends who's literally one of them was my roommate. It was just like, they I remember they were wearing like matching tight bodycon stripe dresses, like the most unflattering thing on anyone, but like a stick truly. And I remember they had like hooked up with like two boys that night, you know? And I just remember like feeling invisible and like overweight and just so you know, like insecure. And this was a problem for me because I love being the star. Like I love being like the person that people are like, and I didn't feel like my looks were going to like get, grab people's attention, which is insane. That whatever, but whatever, this is the world. That's what we think sometimes create these stories. So I was like, okay, I need to make a splash in a way that like, is going to, people are gonna be like, who are you? So I was like, I'm just going to change my mind to fucking. I don't really know how this happened. Just you had the idea. I ran with it, but all my friends were like, fine. I thought it was hilarious. And then I just fucking ran with it. And it yeah. like 
really like I really used it as a crutch. Like I couldn't introduce myself without being like, I'm straight to fucking care again, which is like now I would never do that. But like, it really was like a crutch. And I remember like a year after, you know, my friends were like, okay, like calm down, like enough, like you don't need it. You're great. You're so amazing without it. But I just like, I really needed it. And I like needed it for like a long time after college too. Like everyone at Refinery like knew me as SFK. And then I remember like two years after I graduated college. So when I was like 24, I went on, birthright because I'm Jewish and I went yeah. to Israel with a group and it was the first time the I first time you've been to Israel? It was the first time I've been to Israel nice. amazing. It was the first time I went I was in a group with new people and I didn't say I'm Serena fucking Garrigan. I was just like I'm Serena. Huh. I was able to finally like whoa like What do you think that was? Because I mean you had been abroad so it's not like it was like that type of thing. Well, what no, was it was about birthright it, that like really yeah, it wasn't, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna drop this now. It was it wasn't about birthright. It was about that I finally felt confident that I didn't need to like rely on a persona to like be liked. Like I was like, they're going to like me. They're not going to, they're not, you know, and, but the the persona wasn't really even about getting people to like me at first. It was about getting people to pay attention, but it was really became just this like way for me to like, be like, you fucking got this. Like, you're amazing. Like walk into a room and like everyone should know who you are. Yes. Now that I've had a lot of time to reflect, like it, 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 it totally makes sense. But in the moment, it wasn't like that. Like yeah. people were very like uncomfortable and like thought it was too much, of course. Because yeah. God forbid a woman takes up space and like... You can't. You're just not allowed to. But if a man walks in oh, and like, yeah. yeah, like I'm so fucking schmo. Oh my God. Everyone's like, oh, you're hilarious. Like not even talking. But a woman doing it, it's like... It's a big deal. Well, so I mean, just, I know that... Yeah. We talked about another things that you used to put that on your resume to you, Serena fucking Kerrigan. I know you did it for Refinery. Did you do it for your internships too? No, no, no. the no, same no. thing. And at Refinery, I put SFK with like a... It was ridiculous. But I put like SFK in hot pink with like a crown. That was like my logo, of course. I love that. But, like it wasn't like... the like. But everyone when I got there knew about me because someone Googled me and yeah. it was there. But it's very like... Um, I'm sure you've heard this before. Like one of my favorite movies is Legally Blonde still. And uh, yes. where she gives like her resume and she's like, it's pink and it's scented. It gives a little something extra. But, like no one has the balls to actually do it. No, but that's kind of the thing like... And that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, because yeah. A woman can't possibly be feminine and like sexual mm-hmm. or a woman can possibly smart and like yeah. think like, like we are so it's like, I like, you know, even talking about sex, like Samantha Jones is one of my favorite characters of all time from sex and city, because it's like, she is a sort of about her sexuality, but like, I don't think that she's a whore or a slut. No. But, like, so I always like, I'm grappling with that with like, I'm talking about sex, but like, there's really a fine line between me. Like, can I talk about sex and still be sexy or is it like grotesque? But that's like how yeah. we do women. But we're like men, like can talk about sex whenever they want. Like we grew up playing like the penis. Yeah. Game. We would scream like penis, penis. I don't think I even knew what a clit was. Like, no, but you're right. No one never talked about like a, like a clit or a cunt was a bad word. Like these were just like, you know, it was a big deal. Yeah. You didn't have that. Which is great. So you went to college. You went to Duke. You cut. You got out. You applied to. Was Refinery Twenty Nine like a dream job type of thing? You know, I like was very much. I don't know. It's so interesting. Like my shift. I am a workaholic now, but I was kind of like <laughs> you know the industry is very much like you're hired on a Friday, you start work on a Monday. So yeah. it, like all my friends in finance or all those jobs, like they were like good set. Like they had jobs, and I kind of was like okay. And I you know I started just like asking around and yeah. 
I really got the job through, and this is why, like, my biggest piece of advice is like everything is in this industry is about who you know and like yeah. your network. And like, I made a short film when I was a junior in high school at USC Film School. Didn't have a car. Like, I don't know how the fuck I navigated that experience. It was so insane. Like, literally, like, went did the most intensive program. Like, people in that pro- I was the youngest person in the program. People in the program were like, like old people that always just wanted to make a movie. Like, yeah, like it was very hard. But anyway, the girl that I casted in that movie, she ended up giving up the acting, you know, dreams and ended up being a photographer, did photography for refinery. And she's older than me. She actually just did the photography for my card game. So like talk about like one connection from my whole life. And she's like helped me on. So anyway, she's a mentor in a way, not, but not, not at all. Like a colleague, someone who like, I follow. Yeah. Like we check in if she's in the city, she doesn't live here. She lives in LA. Like we get coffee, but like, but I just remember like, oh, like Molly has done photography, freelance wow. photography, binary, great, boom. Like it doesn't have to be your mentor. It's just like, hey, it's like, like, yeah, you know, someone can you pass along my resume? And she did. I got an interview. Yeah. It's like people don't mind, you know, giving back. In a way. I agree. So yeah, I mean, like I showed up to my interview, didn't print out my resume because it's a digital fucking company. You think that not, wouldn't matter. But oh, like I remember they almost didn't give me the job because I didn't. They told me later. Ridiculous. And But I was just like, it's fine. I don't need it. I'll tell you everything that's on it. I'm just someone who, like, I was... Interviews were my shit. Like, yeah. I literally could make someone fall in love with me in five minutes. Like, I yeah. could know exactly what to say. Like, getting into Fields and then Duke, like, it was the interview that got yeah. me cool, I think. So, Refinery, it was the interview. Yeah. I've, I've done production. Like, you do high and low really yeah. well. I'll do anything you want. I'll stay later than everyone. I'm passionate. Like, hire me. Like, yeah. trust me, you won't regret it. And I did. And what was your first role there? Ugh, well, I mean... Well, like, what kind of stuff did you do? It doesn't matter. No, I mean, like, I... I just say that because, you know, they kept me as an intern. They paid me as an intern for a year minimum. Yeah. So I was, I was producing two months into it. I was like a general intern, video intern. And there was a lot of them because that was when the company had like good money. Yeah. And my boss was like, we need someone to go with this girl to do a Facebook live. And I was like, okay, I'll go. And I was that like new at the time. I felt like brand new. Yeah. Facebook just Cause like, I did a focus group for like a real world Facebook live thing, like right around that time, I feel like. 2016? Yeah. yeah. I think it was like 2016 or 2017. It was like something yeah. like that. It was for like the real world. And I was like, it's on that, Facebook live. That was, kind live. Of- that was Facebook watch. My mom did that show. That's <laughs> awesome. I, well, I said good things about it, but I remember being like, I didn't know that this was like a thing. It was like new at the time. I felt like they really were coming out with all these new yeah, ways Facebook of Facebook like, live was in 2016 and Facebook it. signed a contract with Refinery and a lot of publishers giving them money in exchange to produce content for the platform. Nice. And I remember I went, it was like a facial and like the girl was getting facial and she was like, here's the, here's the phone. Like we were doing it at the phone at the time, yeah. leveled up later. And I was like blown away. I was like, wait, I'm the DP. Like I'm the camera woman. I'm the producer. I'm, t- I'm reading the comments from the audience. Like the amount of power I had, like, like my first week I was obsessed. Like I was like, and I remember I said to my parents, I want to be on, I'm going to ask to be on the Facebook live team. And my parents were like, are you sure? Like, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself to live. Like what about other verticals? And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like this is, this like you is felt it. Which my is so great. My whole life, I've I've had great gut. Yeah, I really listened to gut. And I think about this now. I just told the story. I, I hadn't remembered it. My parents, like as a way to protect me, they always poked holes. And in a way, I'm proud because yeah, and I'm happy they did that because it would it would reinforce like no, this is the right call. Mm. Obviously, it was the right fucking call. Look what the show I'm doing now. It's live. Yeah. I wouldn't have done the show if it wasn't for all that experience. So I ended up being on the team. I produced sixty assets a month. That was like wow. 
it was totally ridiculous. Yeah. But it was incredible experience. And I was in front of the camera, behind the camera, pitching ideas. Like I love the idea that you could like pitch an idea and get it made the next day and like you're done. Like I love that about live. There's no yeah. post, there's no edit, like it's just you're done. And I like the the exhilaration of being live and like yeah. you, you don't know what's gonna happen. Like I love that. So I stayed there for about three and a half years. I, I ended up, they kind of stopped live content. Then I had leader producer of Snapchat content, which again, like TikTok, like really short form content. Again, like lots of experience there. And that's... And you hosted of, your own show too, didn't you have... Um, I hosted many of my own shows. I hosted... Celebrando. Was that one of your first ones though? Celebrando with Serena? Yes. That was a Facebook live show. That's awesome. Because they didn't have any Latinx content. And she's nuts, but whatever. Yeah. And... Um, they changed it. And then I did Taboo, which I think was Taboo was the show that made me realize like, okay, I have... So Taboo was a show for Snapchat where I was the host where I would interview three different people about a taboo topic and like have differences of opinion on it. So whether it's abortion, whether it's like peeing in the shower or living at home or who should make the first move, like I would produce the whole thing. Yeah. It was really resourceful because Refinery's kind of MO was like the older sister's best friend. Like that's who that we were to our younger audience, especially yeah. Snapchat because it's very young. It's Gen Z. Right. And that show to me was like a very... It was a turning point where I was like, I have this ability to get people to open up very quickly. Yeah, on I see that. About topics that are taboo. They can feel totally comfortable and like not ashamed. And it's part of the confidence thing. It's nothing should be shameful other than the obvious like racism, sexism, xenophobia, whatever. It's like everyone has a different story to tell and they should feel comfortable sharing that story. And it's good dialogue. Yeah. And that show is like a a big mark for me in terms of like realizing you shouldn't be afraid to talk about things. So let me ask you, when did, because I think this is so related. When did SFK as like a persona really change into something you're like, I can make a brand out of this or I could potentially monetize this or I could use this brand to help people. Like when did that start to hit it? I think that I, what I did well in college was I created this persona like very visually because you know, I love visual mediums. SFK was like, this is great. Like powder puff senior year. Like I obviously didn't play. I'm not athletic, but I remember I made the caption like, (laughs) They couldn't afford me, like, which is such an SFK thing to say. Like, yeah. you turn into a positive. Like, she can't put because they couldn't afford me, right? Yeah. So, like, that was the kind of content I was putting on my Instagram. Like, not cocky because yeah. she's empowering everyone else, but just like this extra larger than life persona that makes her sidewalk the red carpet. Like, that's what I was. And a lot of it's just changing the perspective. It doesn't mean that that isn't true. It's just changing, like, what you would normally or someone might normally look at that same situation, just have a negative story behind it. You just created a positive story. Like, Always this is how I want to see it. Always seeing the gossipful. Always. Exactly. Everything in your life, you have to try to see for the gossipful because if not, it's your life. Like, and you could look at the same thing. I mean, I know that like the glass apples thing is like so overdone sometimes, but it's true. It's like there's this idea you look at something and you can create a, a negative story about everything. And in fact, we normally do, right? It's like okay. when you get ghosted, you can either think, oh my God, I'm rejected. What's wrong with me? Or, oh my God, thank God that guy rejected me. So I didn't have a kid with him. And then, yes. Like, you yes. do not want what doesn't want you. You don't want someone that's not obsessed with you. So when someone yeah. goes to you, I'm like, thank you. Like, yeah. Thank- and we have to train ourselves to think that way, which I think is a lot what you talk about. You have to train yourself to create these stories that are probably true too, but that are just more positive. I don't think you're just, I don't think it's no? a story. And I don't think you're doing, you're just seeing it. You're taking out your kaleidoscope and you're just twisting it and you're just seeing it in a positive way. But yeah. it's not, it's not in, you're creating a changing the narrative. Like, a guy ghosting you is truly a blessing because you don't want someone to, that isn't committed to you to stick around and fret. Or someone who could do that to be around later. They're going to, those things are going to come up in another way anyway. 
So it's, it's just about having a positive perspective, which is really the brand in itself. So with the, with the persona, it was just like, it was a very visual persona. I had a lot of followers from it. Like I, I just like, I know social well, I don't know. Yeah. And then like, it just, I would only do the SFK thing on Instagram. Like you wouldn't see the Serena goofy, silly, fun side of me. You'd only see SFK. And Mm -hmm. again, like a lot of very supportive people in my life were like, we need to see more Serena. Interesting. And I was very insecure still. Like I was like, I didn't want to show me without makeup or a filter or like, you know, like, like, cause I was like, or I wouldn't even show the like crazy, goofy me dancing side of me. It was just all very glam. And Interesting. That was a big note at Refinery too. Like Refinery people said that to me. Well, like you need to show more your your vulnerability so it's more relatable. And I was like, no, you know, but they were right. And so what I did was I utilized my stories. I was like, SFK's feed is always going to be fucking mom. It's just always how it's going to be. But the stories will supplement all of that and show the real me. And I think that that's when I also started to get more confident too, because I'm showing myself and who gives a shit if like someone judges us it doesn't fucking matter because it's working. Like I saw that it was like helping my career, helping my follower count, getting me more jobs and whatever. And helping but, the people you were helping. I mean, a lot of the stuff you were doing at Refinery were also like these videos. I mean, I don't know when that happened exactly, but it were these videos where you were helping someone. It was Ask Serena series. Yeah, that so was like I, my last project there. Yeah. See, but like a lot of that was you just telling your story and you're being vulnerable too. So you oh had God. the side of you that was very SFK, very confident, but it was also like, let's sit down on this couch and I'll share you my story too. Right. And that was recently. I mean, that was last yeah. summer. So it took me a long... That's why I like a lot of my clients, because I'm a confidence coach, are like, well, how long is it going to take? And I'm like, well, it took me a really long time to figure it out. But also, I didn't have someone like me helping them and yeah. like, what you do. It really took a long time for me to be like, oh my God, literally no one fucking matters. Do the job. Focus on what you want and like do anything you can to get there. People that judge you like can go fuck themselves because yeah. they're and jealous and like they don't matter because the people that love you will give you constructive criticism. They'll help you. They'll support you and they want you to be better. And so... The second, like, I stopped giving a shit about, like, what someone thought about my Instagram stories, it was, like, the most liberating feeling in the world. And, like, now yeah. I literally am just like, it doesn't matter. I just yeah. don't care. They disappear anyway. Like, it evolved. It wasn't, like, an overnight thing. But, yeah. you know, people like the persona. And I realized that the persona, what does she mean? Like, what is yeah. this? Like, what does she embody? And I remember it was, like, two years ago. I was, like, SFK is, like, this kind of, like, this armor that you can, like, pull out when you're, like, about to go into a job interview or you're about to go on a date where it's, like, for... You don't have to be confident forever, but just, like, for that hour, 20 minutes, you, like, feel good. And I, like, people awesome. do write to you about that. They'll, I mean, I've seen some of the things that you post. People say, I asked myself, what SFK do right now? And then I just, like, felt empowered quickly. It was insane to me. Like, yeah. it's so... It's so crazy, like, how many people really say, like, I've changed their life. Like, I just... It's... It's and it's funny because as I told you, when I was five or six or seven, I was like, I want to be famous. I think that my dad was like, that's not real because like, what is fame? Anyone can be famous now. And I'm just so I'm really proud and happy that I'm able to be the star I want to be unapologetically. Right, but it, it the root of it is really to help people yeah. recognize their own power. Yeah. And I mean, I have three confidence coaching sessions a day at this point. Like I have two after you. And it's great. I mean, it's fucking exhausting. Like I have yeah. the time to make people realize. Guess it's fucking also what? like your energy. Because like even just coaching anyone, you just have that like energy exchange where you're like, I have to make sure I take care of me right now if I'm going to keep sort of being there for someone else. I know. And then, yeah. but you know, I think I'm used to turning it on from those go to go days. There you go. <laughs> I really like this podcast because, you know, it's like, I don't think about it so much. How did I get here? Yeah. And I love your questions because 
everything happened the way it was supposed to happen. And they and all help. It all just fuels into like who you are and, and all the stuff you've been doing. You can see that stuff from like all the different parts of your life. Just filter in. I feel like it's important for me to also talk about the times I wasn't happy and I wasn't yeah. at Refiner 29. Like I was on this pop culture show where we, it was a live show. There's three hosts, my, including myself. Every time there'd be an awards show, whether it was like the Grammys, the SAG Awards, DMAs, those two girls were the ones picked to go on the red carpet. And I was the one back in the studio. And it absolutely wrecked my confidence. Yeah. And what did I do? I did the best job ever in the studio. Yeah. Like, you know, but I really like, it was so bad for me not to take it personally. What's wrong with me? Like, why am I not good enough? Whatever. But really, I had a lot of conversations with my mom about this. Like, it was really tough for me yeah. because it was inevitable to not compare yourself when you're the one that isn't picked. always like, being like, singled out. Yeah. Right. And also what was tough too is like, I was really good friends to this day, really close with my co-host. So I was resentful, but also not. You kind of get mad at yourself. You're like judging yourself. Like, why am I so mad at that person? Stop it. They're my friend. I want to be happy for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, like it was a couple things. One, it's a business. Refiner 29 is a business. They're going to make certain decisions. It has nothing to do with me. They just say, need this girl and this girl. Also, by the way, these girls were had a lot more experience than I did, were older, were there for longer, whatever. It doesn't matter. But yeah. it just, it's a business. It's not personal. And it's like, that's so important for you to ingrain. And two, my mom was like, this this to me was like the biggest game changer. She was like, but you don't really want to be the one on the red carpet interviewing. Like, you want to be the one being interviewed. Oh my God. So it was such an important moment because again, you do not want what doesn't, doesn't want, want you. you. Yeah. You can't see it at the time. Yeah. You have but to go like, through it's that. so true. Like what would be the fucking point of me being there? And I don't want to be there. I don't, I want to be the one on the other side. So yeah. true. And it was really good for me to have that experience and to realize you're not always going to get chosen. Yeah. And how are you going to deal with it? And what I did was I just, when I did get chosen, I remember one time I, Finagled. I did the best fucking job of my life. I crushed it. I knew every celebrity. I knew every movie they were just in and I gave it my all. And so that's kind of like what you, you do. You yeah. just like, you only can focus on the things you can control. That's true. And the things you can control, you just have to let it go. Recently, you know, a really huge publication, huge, 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 like dream publication interviewed me about my show for quarantine. And the interview was amazing. It was like two hours long. And, oh my God, like this is really, this is one of the things in my book. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, a month later, I was like, whatever happened? And they were yeah. like, yeah, well, quarantine ended. So we killed the piece. And I think like two mm. years ago, I would have been so upset. They're going to come back when season, season two comes around. They're going to be like, oh, Serena, hi. I know. I literally said, I, I guess oh. this is just getting the front page next time. Like I literally like, it didn't even, I didn't flinch. Like I was like, mm. okay. Well, I guess that's just not going to work. And then, of course, season two, I message them. I say, hey, we're doing season two. And they're like, great, we'll get into it. Why would I get upset? But a lot of people get upset about those kinds of things. It just wasn't meant to be. So what can you do? What can you control in the situation? Uh, Make a fucking sick season two that they're going to want to write about it? That's what you can control. So... Also, I think like it's it's one of those things and it's so important that you say this because I think a lot of time we, when we don't have that much to do, it's all internal. We just go at ourselves. And I think you have so much to do and you've also gone through all this before that you just you don't have time to fucking like get mad at yourself or get upset or feel sorry for yourself at this way with this particular publication. Instead, you're like, I have a lot of other stuff that I'm doing and I'm doing well. That's so not-, not personal. Again, yeah. it's business. It makes sense. Quarantine ended. It's not like they were like, oh, fuck Serena, she sucked. And I can't even believe people would actually like 
beat themselves up for yeah. something that like, it's not about you. It's okay. It wasn't meant to be. And this also happened to me. I interviewed at a very big news, like sh for a very big news show. I, I, I auditioned like when I wanted to leave refinery and I thought it was my ticket out. Yeah. And I got there, I got to LA and I auditioned and I fucked up when reading the t teleprompter twice. Yeah. And then I bombed. Cause it was, I, yeah. Right. I totally get it. And I literally have a video of me crying because I take videos of myself all the time because you have to talk to yourself in the mirror. Yep. Talking to myself being like, I'm such an idiot. I'm horrible. I'm worthless. How could I do this? This is my one shot. And I look back and I'm like, thank God I didn't get it. First of all, that show's canceled now. And second of all, that brand was so not a brand I wanted to be made with now. Like, I just don't want, like, it was not me. It was not, and, and then I wouldn't have created my own show and started my own company. I would have been attached to another company. Right. But my biggest advice is, at the time, that rejection feels like it, but you just have to tell yourself, I'm going to realize why this was redirection later. Like, it's going to happen. You're going to have that moment of like, you're a Google fucking map and you're just getting rerouted. It's protecting you from, you don't know what it is yet, but trust me, it's protecting you. Yeah. I think about all the like times I've been dumped or haven't gotten something or whatever. I look back, I'm like, oh, totally meant to be. Yeah. So what made you leave refinery? Like, what was that? If you didn't have that particular thing to be, to have as your ticket out, what would propelled that decision? Well, refinery was like pretty toxic, uh, work environment. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, really, I, you know, I, I was very scared for a long time, but God. everyone came out, everyone, every single person that has worked there, kind of the majority of people that worked there, like had a very tough time there. It it's, I think about my experience there a lot because it was a company that preached empowerment externally, but internally it really created an environment of like extreme insecurity. And I felt so insecure there. And I always felt like I was like screaming, but my head was underwater. Like I was like, I can do this. Like I can produce, like I can make people. The last show I did ask Serena, I can't tell you, I made that show for $500. Like that's how little money they were giving me. That wow. show. I did everything. Myself. How'd you get the people involved? If you weren't able to like really pay them, maybe. Um, because you got like guests and stuff. They just it, wanted to do it for fun to get. Oh no! I utilized every connection I had, and I yeah. said, I, "I don't have money. This is the only thing I could pay for yours. Your Uber. It was the only yeah. thing I could pay for Uber and lunch. Everything else was, but I, but I was willing to do it because I believed in the project and I wanted to prove myself. But it's so difficult when you're like being like, "This is my worth. Like, why can't you see my worth?" And they don't give a shit. They're so doing great stuff. Ugh. It, it, I, I know someone who I recently, I told them I was interviewing you and she used to work at Refiner. She was a, she was an intern. She was like, hated the place, right? Hated it. She had her own stories. Loved Serena. Okay. And she's like, I still follow her. She's like, she's exactly that person that she was then. She's super, super empowering. So sweet. Yeah. No. That was really the thing. The one thing I will, there's two takeaways from my yeah. time. Three. One, I got to get my hands dirty really fast. And I was considering doing like a talent agency route because that's mm. kind of like what was told that you had to do. In 2016, not now. Now you just like, you want, you can be a TikTok star. <laughs> but like, I got my hands dirty super quick. Love that. Like, they really gave me, because they didn't want to pay people. So they just gave the interns a lot of, you know, um, power. Yeah, responsibility. Quotes. And then to learn so much about being a woman and being a woman, a white woman, mm -hmm. and my privilege. And, you know, my favorite boss, who was kind of my, who ended up being my mentor. We're still so close. She's one of my really close family friends. She'll be at my wedding. She's you know, a black woman. And just, it really was eye-opening to me. I grew up in New York City, obviously, like my mom's Latina, but like, you know, you have to spend, at Duke, it was like very white or at least yeah. white was or whatever. So I tell people it was like taking a woman's studies grad, grad school for three and a half years. Wow. So to the best part of it. And like, I see a lot of influencers not know how to talk about race or not, which is okay. Like, 
that's yeah, fine. I get it though, but still but like, or like make really questionable decisions that are very toned up. And I'm like, it's so funny. Like that wouldn't even cross my mind because, because not that I'll understand what it's like to be black or not that I'm the most woke person of all woke people, but Oh my God. Like I feel way more of a handle on it than other people do. And I'm so, and that was so refinery 29, even when it, not even race, when it came down to like body image, I learned like you can't say like I'm so fat because fat isn't a negative word. 67% of women in the US are a size 14 and above. Yeah. So, right. So like those are things that I did not learn at Duke. So it was like that yeah. learning, I will always be incredibly grateful. And then the last thing is two people, major people on my team worked at Refinery29 for LFD. Wow. Like I, the network I found there, they didn't pay their employees, but they hired the best great employees. People. Yeah. But I think that was the thing. It was like everyone who was young at that time wanted to be part of the hot company that was like the anti-Vogue, right? right. Like, like empowered. And we're going to put like women of all shapes, sizes and colors like on. They were also creating site. like lots of content. Lots so of I think content. that was, you, it's just, they were everywhere. So everyone, like I remember in 2016, people would turn down major jobs at other companies like HP, like big wow. yeah. refinery because it was just that we were all drinking the Kool-Aid, but it didn't end up panning out. We, it yeah. totally, we bombed. But from that, I really, truly like everyone on my level, like not executive, obviously, holy shit. Like I love them. Like, because also we all were, you can all kind of like, understand each other, but also probably talented people who deserve so to be talented, like yeah. unbelievably. And like everyone who's left has had a glow up is so yeah. happy. And I, the reason I stayed for as long as I did was because they kept promising me that I was going to be a star, that I was going to be the mm. next actor. Like I was going to have my own series. And it just, I, I, I was like, I'm willing to do the work, you know? And it's funny. A lot of people have found me through my apartment home tour video that yeah. I did. Yeah. I didn't, but I saw that. I begged for that video to happen. Wow. And they're like, no, no, like, I don't know. And I was like, please, like, this is like, I will kill it. I have a beautiful apartment, but like, I will help produce it. Like I am funny. Like I will make it yeah. like, and then the other ones. And it was like, it was, it, that video was what was like, you need to leave. And I know I talk a lot, but this is how, this is why, because when I did that video, I was like, Oh my God, I'm fucking hilarious. Like I forgot. Yeah. And also I was like, <laughs> I'm so sick of convincing people of my worth. Yes. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of, and then because what that does is when they don't believe me and don't give me what I want, then I'm questioning my worth. And I'm sick of that. Cause I hate like the one thing that I, which is very SFK, it's like you're in control of your identity and you're in control of the way you think of yourself. Right. The second you're basing the way you think off of yourself is off of someone else. That's when you're in trouble. And that's how I felt. I was like, uh, uh-uh, this isn't working. Like, and then I was like, it was just, it was no bueno. And I was like, you know what, if I'm really the queen of confidence, then I got to take a chance on myself. Yeah. And I remember my mom being like, listen, what's the worst thing that can happen? You try it out, you leave, you try it out. And then, you know, it doesn't Pandemic work out. Hits. You're a producer. You can consult for social yeah. media, which I did, True. by the way. Like, I did, yeah. I did like a lot of consulting. Thinking, like you're an established producer. Like there's so many other, like you're, you're, you're skilled. Like you've skills. You have a, a real insight into branding. Like, so you're fine. And, yeah. and she was right. And I like, and I literally like, haven't looked back. 
Obviously. So I, I listened to a podcast that a friend of mine did, actually, someone who lives in the same building as me since I was a kid, Aliza Kelly. She did Stars Like Us. So mm-hmm. I listened to your episode. And this was right around the time you quit. Like it was like a week after or something. And you were talking about the empire you were building. You also mentioned a podcast and a book. You really having your own TV show. Shut you up. were like, this is so great. And you're like, I'm a little nervous, but at the same time, like I'm so ready. And I was just like, that's so fucking cool to see just few months later, you made your own show. Oh my God. That You're is putting so- all this stuff. And I had no idea. I mean, it yeah. was not even COVID yet, really. No, it wasn't. Like, I remember, it was like the last like thing I did. I remember. Yeah, no, I was like, that's so funny. I have to re-listen to that. You have to re-listen yeah. to it. No, there's a couple lines in there that'll just give you a little, like, it'll give you chills. When you, it's, it's the gut thing I was talking about. It's the intuition. Yeah. It was like, I always knew I was going to be successful and I, and I really am willing to do the work. And that was yeah. something I saw a lot in my time at refinery was that like some people just didn't want to do the work. Like yeah. they just did it. And I was like, Oh, like that's, like, that exists. Right. And like, I mean, I knew it just like my, my parents are, they do the work. They do the yeah. fucking work. And I've always watched that. And the work ethic was so ingrained in me, like from a young age, like it just like do it. Which works and well because you have so many projects that are coming out and like that you're working on. Like I just, I see it from like, like a viewer, you know, like I'll, I'll watch your stories. Like, funny, you know yeah, why? Like, What's the next thing? What's the next thing? You know why? Cause I feel like I'm not doing enough at yeah. all at all. Oh my God. I literally feel like I, haven't scratched the surface. And I think that the thing is, it's like, for some reason I operate with this, feel like I'm running out of time. I mm. always, always like, I'm always? always like, yeah, it's very strange. Like I think it happened in quarantine, which is why like I did let's talk me because I was like, Oh my God, like I didn't know how long it was going to last. But I was like, yeah. there's only going to be a couple months where people are only, are going to be on their phones all the time. Like I'm going to post something. People will see it immediately. Yeah. I was like, that visibility, I have to capitalize on. So when, like, did, that, when did that hit you? Because I know, obviously, you wanted to have a show, right? Because you talked about it in February. But when did it hit you that you're like, this could be a show? Like, this is a show. I was like, this is a show. We're doing this. And I was like, what's the worst that can happen? No one watches yeah. it. Okay, next. But like, yeah, it was just like, oh, let's do this. It wasn't really legit until like a friend of mine was like, you should launch an Instagram for the show have all the old episodes and to create this community. And I was like, Oh, like smart. And that's when it became a show. I think that a lot of people are quick to be like, so we need to hire a designer. You need to get the camera, whatever. My biggest advice is just start making the content first, see if it sticks. And then you get all that nice stuff. So it's nice for me because I was introduced to you from like by Danielle Bernstein. I was one of her followers saw that she posted about you and was like, this girl. And I was watching you and I also felt the same way during quarantine. I was like, what else can I do? I need to be busy. And I needed to be busy for me. I really learned that about myself. Like once everything sort of stayed still and like there were no auditions coming in, all of the other jobs were starting to like, you know, just Mm -hmm. dissipate a bit. I was thinking I need to do stuff. And I loved watching you do stuff. That felt good to me. I was like, I can watch this girl. I can watch this girl. Okay, what's next? What's next for her? And you did this show, right? You did this full show Friday nights, right? It was Friday nights. It was Friday. Friday, Yep. Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. We can talk about that maybe as to why it changed. But um, you all of a sudden, you would have all these guests talk about after. Like, it was a legit thing that was, like, new. It was like you had this show where then afterwards there was, like, a talk show afterwards. And you had, like, guests that, like, I guess were your friends that just came on and would talk yeah, friends, to you. Friends, fans. Yeah, so friends, fans, all of it. Yeah, let's fucking date. I would go on dates, uh, two dates every Friday yep. at 30, And then there'd be an after show for an hour where I'd let everyone come on. And I think the show, the success of the show is multiple factors. One, like, I mean, you rate me, obviously. Yep. 
having someone having people not have anything to do on a Friday night. Like yeah. I capitalized on that because I was someone who was like, I love to black out on a Friday night. Like, what am I doing? And I yeah. was like, Oh, there's this need here. Like everyone's seen Tiger King and fucking make that banana bread. Like, what do they want? And you did yeah. make that banana bread. That was funny to watch. That was so good. <laughs> and you got the plantains. You guys have to watch this if you haven't. You got these plantains. You're like, this is wrong, isn't it? Disaster. <laughs> so but good. um but yeah, like it was just, you know, and then I, the biggest thing about it was the comments, the audience, their, the fact that they get to play God within the show, the fact that they get to tell me exactly what their feelings are after. I mean, think about every other show we watch, we don't get that real time, direct, real time, like live, you know, yeah. and it's very authentic. It's real. It's live. Like there's no gimmicks. There's no editing. And that is another huge thing. That's like such an annoyance about dating shows. And then moreover, like the, ethos of the show is I'm single, I'm beautiful, I'm smart, I'm in my apartment, I'm like, you know, like I'm gonna date, not I need to find a husband because if not, right. like I'm gonna be an old maid. And then if not, you know, and like so many people are like, but are you really looking for love? And I'm like, I'm looking to make a connection. Yeah. There are a lot of guys from last season that I went on to date with and now we're just friends. I'm yeah. like, I'm so happy to have them in my life. Am I open to it? Absolutely. But that idea of like you have to be looking for love, it's like calm the fuck down. Yeah. I'm 26. I'm enjoying the ride. So just a couple more questions. What is coming up? So we have this dating show. Tell me about season two. Yeah, no, it's premiering on Wednesday. Um, It's going to be on Wednesdays now because I think people go out on Fridays like I do, like even though we're still in COVID. It's in a weird thing. Um, And I think the biggest change for this season is I felt like season one was like proof of concept. Like, oh shit, like people love this. But I had no resources. Like I did everything about myself. I had a producer like vet the guys because the, the dates are completely yeah. blind. But that was it. Like, and then I hired Katie, who runs the social for LFD. But it was really my one stipulation was like, we just need two guys every Friday. Like, do not. I don't care. Like, just get me two guys on camera because yeah. like that was just the consistent thing. This season's different. I have a full fucking blown team. Like, this is a no joke season. Like, this is like my intention with this season is to prove the point to prove that a real television show can live on Instagram. It is the f- like a real show. And you could see like I I posted a promo videos for my show and really elevated. My mom was like this could be from TV. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was like everything is, you know, we're going to have graphics packages, we're going to have a lot of more video content with an editor and like they're the marketing play. I mean, I just came out with a fucking card game. Like it's like, I know what a good idea. Yeah. The card game box. Which by the way, Serena, I don't know if you guys follow her, but Serena created a mystery gift. She was guys, you're going to have to get this. It was like so confident of you, but you were like, you guys are going to have to get this. You're not going to regret it. And I was like, what is it? Should I get it? I don't know. It came out and I was like, fuck, I should have gotten it. And now it's a pre-order. So you can pre-order these, this game as well. Yeah, we're officially launching on the day of LFD. And congratulations. Thank you. Well, it's so funny about the mystery thing because I was like, I've never bought something, like literally like, given money. Yes. And don't know what's on I the don't record. know what the other thing is. I've, I've never done that in my life. And I was yeah. like, it's hilarious that I would expect people to do this. Not expect. It was never like, you know, and someone yeah. in my face in my Facebook group because I'm very close with my community. Like I want to talk to them. And, and someone said, you know, it's like a little odd that like during COVID, you would ask people when, you know, obviously money can be really issue to like pay for something that they don't know what it is. And I was like, totally fine. Then don't buy it. Like, I'm not saying you have to, you have to do this. Yeah. No, it was very much like, 
I felt like, you know what? How exciting is it to have a surprise? I never had a surprise party. Like, I love surprises. To get a surprise in the mail, you don't know what it is. Like, that's so exciting. And it was really cute. Like, I saw the opening of that box. It wasn't just the cards. Like, you put a little, you put thought and love into that box. Yeah. And and another reason I think, and by the way, we fully sold out of Mystery Box. Like, we sold so many. I'm not I was like shook. Like I thought we would sell like 20. Like that was not the number. It was out of control. And like, we literally sold out. We didn't have any more left to get. Like I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. We oversold. We figured (laughs) it out. But it it, to me proved that because everything I do, I put a hundred percent into, and I'm very proud of what I create. There's this trust between me and my audience. No, I'm not gonna like, when I say like, trust me, I'm delivering here. They're going to believe. Oh yeah. Because it's like with every piece of content I make, it's like, I don't, I don't like just record something for shits and like, it's going to be great. And so I, yeah, I was fully confident. I was like, this is amazing. Trust me. You're going to love it. It's for literally everyone. And so oh my God, this girl tonight, like wants to pick it up because she's going on a date tomorrow. So she asked me to pick it up. That's so nice. How cute is that? That's really cute. I played it on a date. It's definitely a little sexy, but it, it'll work. Yeah. It'll work. Oh yeah. yeah. If you guys want to get your game. And then you have coaching $100. sessions. You can get a coaching session with Serena. Yes. And they can do that. They can do that through your website, right? Yes. Everything's on my website. Exactly. And then season two comes out Wednesday. Yeah. Here we go. That's really what it is. It's elevating it. It's, you know, because I really think that this could be the future of television in the sense of, you know, we're ingesting so much content all the time. And so like the way, and I learned this at Refinery, like when I was on the Snapchat team, the way to get the audience to stay because like, you get you get three seconds of their attention, anything. So it's a bio, hinge profile, TikTok, you have three seconds to entice them. The way to get them to stay is to engage them, is to ask them for their opinion, to let them be a part of the content. Yeah. So that's why it works, yeah. right? Because they're just as much a part of the show as I am. Yeah. They're on the date with me too, which yeah. is crazy, but it works. Yeah. So that's kind of what it is. It's going to be yeah. very elevated. I think the casting is going to be a lot more elevated. There's going to be a lot of surprises. And and then what will be interesting is, you know, obviously we can go outside. So like it ends up going really well. Do we do an episode? Right. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I just think about that. Yeah. So know? one more thing that I wanted to ask because I forgot before. One thing I really loved from you specifically, I mean, I've been following you for a few months now, but one thing I really loved was recently you put up a video of you coming home from somewhere and talking to yourself, right? You kind of brought it up a little bit earlier in the interview, but you know, you, you just kind of posted a couple stories of you just talking to yourself at night and you weren't all dolled up and you were being vulnerable, but you also were like, I'm so proud of you. And you did this amazing video, right? And I don't know if you tell your coaching clients that, but I just think it's so brilliant. And I, I found myself talking to myself in the mirror, you know, and I sometimes do. And I have done that thing, you know, I've done, I've recorded myself crying before, but there was just something really nice about now looking in the mirror and talking aloud yourself. And I think that's so powerful. So thank you for posting that. I personally really appreciate it. It's it's the key. It's the key to it all. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much, Serena. You so much for having me. I have to run because I have to do a coaching session, but I enjoy all day. Wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity. I I really love this, and you're doing great things. Thank you. You're empowering women too. Love you so much. Bye. See you on Wednesday. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to that interview. I hope you loved it. I want to read a wonderful review on Apple Podcasts from launchlove.biz. 
Every artist needs a mentor. If you plan on working professionally as an artist, it's important to have a mentor. Business owners and CEOs do, and so should you. They help you avoid common pitfalls and most importantly, can shift your thinking when you get in your way. Michelle's created something truly special in this podcast by providing a wealth of mentors from a variety of backgrounds who bring current, practical, and deep insight to the world of entertainment. It's a must-have for every working actor to keep a show like this in their pockets and in their ears. Thank you so much, LaunchLove.biz. I really appreciate it. If you haven't yet and you're enjoying this content, please review on Apple Podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to Mentors on the Mic. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend you know would love it. Let me know what you learned or what stayed with you on our Instagram, at Mentors on the Mic. I will be sharing even more information about our mentors there. These are crazy times, and now more than ever, it's so important to connect. Talk to someone about what you learned today who would really appreciate it and send them the episode. Also, if you love the show, please go ahead and leave us a rating on iTunes. Every week I'm choosing a review to read on an episode. It really makes a huge difference in growing this. Thanks.